Blog Talk Radio. tuned in you are listening to taylor tara radio.com i am one of your hosts jason wade taylor alongside tara dublin and uh, we're going to be with you for 90 minutes today as we are every monday wednesday and friday live at 1 p.m eastern time if you missed any of the show today, or you want to go back and catch the show, or you don't have time to listen to the whole show today live, um, you can uh, go back when the show is done. You can find the show right here on TaylorTerrorRadio.com for listening or downloading pleasure. You can also find it across the board, and I mean any and all podcast listening platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Spreaker, Google Play Music, simply go to Google and type in Taylor Terra Radio and you're going to find a plethora of podcast listening applications that you can um, listen to the show on or download. Phone number 323-870-3499 is the number. The chat room is open. If you'd like to get in there, you can you can sign in as a guest, or you can sign up for a free Blog Talk Radio account, free, no strings attached, no credit card, no PayPal, no nothing, and you get a free 30-minute podcast once a week if you want to dabble in podcasting, live radio. It's a good way to uh, see if it's something you might want to uh, take to the next level or next step. So that's there for you. If you like to follow me on Twitter, you can do so at Taylor. Follow my partner and my friend on Twitter, Tara Dublin, at Tara Dublin Rocks. And uh, we encourage everyone to follow the show account on Twitter at Taylor Tara Radio. On Twitter, you can direct your questions and your comments over there. We have a very special guest with us today, host, speaker, attorney, as she lists herself, author in progress. 
Um, there's a lot to her, and she's wonderful. Uh, Adrian Lawrence is going to be joining us at the bottom of the hour today. And on that note, I would like to wish a very good morning to my friend, Tara Dublin. How are you today? Good morning, Jason. I, I wake this morning with, uh, I mean, obviously we wake up in the usual garbage fire every morning and we'll get to that. But let's start on a positive note, very briefly, a little Crosby update for the kids out there who have been following the saga. Crosby got rehomed over the weekend and he had uh, been sequestered in a bedroom, but he has been released into Gen Pop now with two dogs and two cats. And he has new friends. He is happy. I was sent a video of him frolicking with dogs and he has really like blossomed apparently in just a couple of days. Not that he had a, you know, had a, had a rough go over here and he was hiding all the time or whatever, but you know, he was bitey and he was aggressive and whatever, but he has these new friends to play with and he's so happy and it has alleviated so much of my Jewish mother guilt that I feel I feel so good about doing a good thing for an animal. And that's, you know, you do something good for a person. You do something good for an animal. You do something outside of yourself for a moment. It's, it's just, it's good karma. So what it comes down to with our pets or the animals that we love, it comes down to not what we want, but what the animal wants. I wanted to keep Crosby forever. What he needed was more space and, and, and animal friends to play with. And that's what he has. So I'm going to go visit him in a couple of weeks. And uh, maybe he'll actually remember me. His new mom, Jennifer, believes he's highly intelligent and very special. And he might actually remember me, even though I happen to believe that cats, because they have the brains the size of walnuts, he'll look at me and say, to, you know, like, and uh, you are. So I wanted to begin the show on a positive note because we've got a lot of not great things to talk about politically. But um, then... We can also talk about some more encouraging things, but I wanted everybody who had been asking questions uh, what, about what was going on to know Crosby's doing great, everybody. So at least there's a cat out there who's happy. Hooray. I pass the mic to you now, my friend. <laughs> well, I'm glad Crosby and, and, and you got everything worked out. He's happy. You're happy. And that's all that matters. And, and I mean, I'm honestly, sure Crosby... Yeah, nobody's stressed over it anymore. Yeah. So that you don't want a cat to be stressed, and you don't want to be stressed. You want everybody to be in the right situation. I mean, that's what it's about. Life is all about making sure you're living in a situation that's right for you, and everyone around you is living healthy and happy lives as well. If that's not the case, then you make the changes that you have to make so that everybody can go on and live the lives uh, that they're meant to live without any stresses. In a perfect world, you're able to do that. This was just a cat, not a human. So, you know, you can't do that with every person you know, but at least I could do that. You know, that's good karma, I think, instead of keeping him in an un unhappy situation because I felt like I needed to do it to prove to the world I could be a successful cat mom or prove to myself or wh whatever the reasons were, to whatever selfish reasons I might have had for wanting to keep in the bottom line is that we were not making each other happy, and we had to have a breakup. And now he has a new mom, but she's she's the sweetest woman. I can't I can't rave about her more. And 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 now she's like, you know, no, Crosby has two moms. You're always gonna be his mom. So I have that, and I go visit him whenever I want. 
whenever I need a little cat love. And no, I'm not getting another cat. I'm not getting a pet, nothing. I'm just going to live in a nice, quiet, clean apartment. And I'm, I can't control outside, but I can control it in here. So that's what it's all about. Uh, and uh, let's just, you know, it's all good. Crosby's happy. Yeah. Thumbs up. Move yeah. on. Maybe a turtle. I'm sorry, what? Maybe I said maybe you can get a turtle. <laughs> no, I kill that too. So, no, it's all right. I, you know, I, okay, raised, so, I raised two sons, and you know, I don't, I don't need to have the responsibility right. to raise another, another living being. I'm good. Don't so, even get me a plant. I'm good. Right. Well, let's go. Be, let, let's let's just go full steam ahead here because um, and and I'm gonna take a I'm gonna go back here to Monday. Everybody. You know, if you don't know by now how much I love social media, then you you have mm-hmm. not been listening to the show. I honestly and really, I just totally. I mean, I business purposes, i.e., the show, and or any uh, political campaigns I'm working for, I have absolutely no use, absolutely no use for social media whatsoever. Period. End of story. I think it's just. It's gotten to the point where, it, <clears throat> for me, it's 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 depressing. It's and this. It, I'm going to go back to Monday. We had a wonderful, incredible show Monday with an incredible person, uh, climate scientist, political consultant Elena Christopoulos. And we're you know climate. You know we had the whole blow up over the weekend, sort of um, with Chuck Todd having a. I'm not really a scientist on the show to talk about climate change. <laughs> and so right after we got done with the show, you know, I'm all excited and pumped, this, pumped up. And I'm like, you know, and I'm really, you know, been speaking with Elena a lot on, on, you know, different candidates and, and, and climate change and, and, and universal health care and those things that are important to me and to, to all Americans or should be. But then I see the shiny toy come out. And what was the shiny toy Monday? It was the goddamn red Christmas trees in the White House. Mm-hmm. Oh, man, listen, people. You know, listen. Come on now. You know, I mean, I don't – there are so many more important things. I, but in, in those in, – in people will say this, these, these big-time – Twitter, social media people, you know, who demand so much of your time that you follow them and you retweet them at their request. And, <laughs> you know, they... Please retweet and, if you support so-and-so. Come on. Right, yeah. Retweet to spread the word. And, you know, but... So, yeah, they got on the whole red Christmas tree thing and um, and, and I, I mean, just shut it down. After that, I shut it down... I said I don't even want to. No, I shut it down. I was going to, I, I was going to, you know, share some climate stuff and some articles. And I said, oh, fuck that. <laughs> I, I, I said, nah, I'm not doing that. I said, I'm actually, I'm shutting all this down. I'm not looking at it again till Wednesday. And um, so that's exactly what I did. I, 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 I loaded everything into Hootsuite in the buffer. And I she let autopilot away. roll. And let autopilot roll. I informed Tara and a couple of my 
friends, real friends like Tara and and <laughs> Elena and, and other people. You're like, bye, walking away. Can't. Yeah, I I inform the people that I'm close to that that I'm on autopilot, so they know that I. You know, if they DM me or whatever, Tara, you know, I always let you know. But you know anyways. Yeah. You can tell. I you know. can tell when it's running. Up. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, that's just one thing. You know, it, it's uh, – you know what I mean? We we lose our focus on, you know, so quickly with these – you know, with, with Trump, with everything. You know what I mean? Every day is Trump, Trump this, Trump that, Trump this. And – there was a interesting story um, or interesting tweet thread that I ran across last night, and um, I think Elena had ran across it too. Um, she is a climate scientist. I don't know if you ran across this Twitter thread. Her name is uh, Catherine, uh, I want to say Hoya, A-Y-H-O-E. Am I, pronoun- Am I pronouncing that right, Tara? Correct me. Well, I don't know. Spell it again for me. It's Catherine H-A-Y-H-O-E. Okay, now following. I would say hey-ho. Hey-ho, hey-ho. let's go. Okay, okay Catherine, say. hey-ho. Okay, well, she is a climate scientist, and she shared a Twitter thread um, yesterday or last night at 8:30, and it just started off. She wanted to share a sad reality. She was set up to um, Anderson Cooper AC360 asked asked her to join them um, for a talk on the National Climate Assessment. She had just arrived at a TED talk, and um, she said, "Sure, okay." They sent a car, and um, Got her makeup done, you know, hair done, all that stuff. You know, getting prepped, ready to go on, you know, Anderson Cooper 360. Mm-hmm. Okay, so she does the interview. Uh, the whole thing takes three hours. She has to leave her TED, you know, all these other things. And then they shelf the interview and go with Rick Santorum instead. Oh, my God. Really? Yes. And then she goes on to say later in the thread... And this is a verified account. This is not. This is she's. I'm she's looking a at her, uh, Yeah, I'm looking at her timeline right now. Yeah, okay. and then she goes on to share. You know, I mean, of course. Look, and this is something a lot of people oh, don't okay, know. I found, it. I found it. All right. Yeah, a lot of people don't know is that, and you think you see these people. You know, um, a, a lot of these people that come on CNN, MSNBC, whatever. That they're if they're coming on there just. Um, you know, as say, uh, you know, a to uh, as a anal- they're not they're not paid. They're, it's for, they don't get paid anything. I mean, they get a car, a hotel if you're flying in or whatever, but you don't get paid jack crap. I mean, unless you're you know, unless you've got an exclusive contract with that network, so you don't get paid anything. You're doing it for free. You're basically doing it, you know, for you know, if you have you know to to prop up you know what you're talking about or. You know, if you have something else going on. But she goes – anyway, so uh, so Catherine uh, Hayho goes on to say, not only did this happen, did she get her interview shelf for Rick Santorum, Rick Santorum of all people. But she goes on to I say mean, that he's, this is I not mean, the first evil. time that this has happened. This is not the first time this has happened. Chris Hayes program 
She was booked three times. They canceled her all three times when she was literally sitting in the chair with the earpiece in her ear, ready to go. <laughs> and, that is so screwed. What is and, up with CNN? What is and up MS, with well, CNN? Well, this, is, this is MSNBC as well. I mean, I mean MSNBC. You know? What is up where where the, the these media outlets that are supposed to... Uh, I mean, I'm shocked to hear that MSNBC wouldn't put uh, a climate change scientist on because they had something, someone bet who's better to talk to about climate change than climate change scientists? Yeah, have, have someone no better? idea. Who's better? You don't want to talk about real science? I mean, it's, it's so incredibly frustrating. And then to hear that about CNN, that CNN would go through all of that trouble and inconvenience her in that way and then go with Rick Santorum instead? Why would they go with a Trump surrogate over an actual real scientist? What is the reason? There is a reason. Follow the money. Someone at CNN did not want her story to be aired or her right. interview to be aired because they're buddying up with Rick Santorum or something. Well, like how she deep goes does on this to say. Go? Yeah, and then she goes on to say, you know, not not only that she got canceled three times at, at, at on Chris on Chris Hayes's program on MSNBC when she was literally sitting in the chair with the earpiece, you know, with the producer talking in your ear. If you've ever done anything on television, you'll know what I'm talking about and prepping her ready to go. And you know, she got yanked three times. I mean, canceled three times. So she goes on to say that MSNBC called her again. Um, this week, and uh, she said, quote, I'm quoting, she said, I would be delighted to talk to you, but in order to be a wise steward of my time, I need a guarantee the interview will air, barring a major disaster, an assassination, or the end of the world. They did not reply. They did oh not reply. God. They did not reply. They, they decided – they... This is so disappointing. I mean – it's so disappointing when you think about who Chris Hayes is and how MSNBC usually is a champion for the causes that are so important to us, like climate change, like, I don't know, fair election processes, you know, things that, are, that matter. I'm, I'm really disappointed to hear this because yes. people that I continue to rely on to give me the straight story. And when Chris Hayes is three times, three times he did this to her, yeah. I'm not okay and with they that. Called her I'm again. not okay with that, Chris Hayes. Yeah, and they called her again, and she said she just wanted to guarantee that, that she was actually not going to be, you know, you know, you know, trucked over there, you know, makeup room, all this stuff to be, you know, kick, you know, to be said, Oh no, we're not going to run with you again. She said, so I just need a guarantee. And they, then they just, they said, I'll just forget it. You know, well, we're not going to we you know. have her on our show because we would, yeah, well, her. I'm going to do that. I'm going to try because, you know, and, and our good friend, our uh, uh, fellow uh, or climate scientist, uh, Elena Chrysopoulos, she's, you know, she called, you know, she said, it's just total BS. On uh, in her exact words, she called BS mm -hmm. on on what they did to Catherine. So this oh, is this has is. been done to her, you know, at 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 you know both networks um, that are supposed to be, you know, one of course CNN maybe a little bit more, 
you know, center, if you will, than MSNBC. But but MSNBC, Jason, this has I been really habit- Yeah, I wanted you. This is something I wanted to talk about because I knew that this, you know, I didn't know if you knew the story, Tara, but I knew that you would be livid about it. And it's something I wanted to get out there. This is a woman who is a climate scientist like Elena Christopoulos, who knows what the hell they're talking about. And they opt for Rick Santorum on AC360 instead of running her interview. Now, over on Chris Hayes, uh, MSNBC, basically the same deal. They get her there, they put her in the chair, earpiece, ready to go. Oh, we're not going to put you on. And this is three times, and then the last time, as I, as I said, um, uh, they asked her to come again this week, and she, she asked for a guarantee that the interview was going to air, and they said, ah, uh, forget it. You know, she, she's probably – she's a woman. She's got too many problems. You know, we'll run I with mean, that's, whoever. It's, it's, I, I, I'm, I'm going to have to Twitter scold Chris Hayes. That's what we're going to have to yeah. do. And, and Anderson Cooper. Because, oh, already, listen. Again, go look at my timeline. Oh, we've been yeah, I want everybody out there listening Anderson today to tell <laughs> Anderson Cooper to run that interview. They've got the interview. We want to hear it. Now, damn it. She deserves. She went all the way over there from her TED Talk. Jump in a car. They don't get paid for any of this stuff, okay? These 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 experts, the true experts. Huh? Now, people like Rick Santorum, and I could go down a litany of these other, you know, uh, do nothings. Um, these other quote, you know, political pundits who don't who who doesn't know shit from Shinola, and mm-hmm. and you know that they stick on here. Um, during, and this has long been my, you know, it, I mean, I've got a huge problem with this. And if you're a woman or a man, but if you're a woman especially, and you care about the climate, or even if you don't care about the climate, then you should care about this. You should tell MSNBC, yes. you should tell AC, you should tell Anderson Cooper, CNN, you should tell these people, we want to hear the experts. We don't want to hear That's what's right. in we don't want to hear right. on MSNBC. We don't want to hear just another. I, I hate to throw this term out there, and it can just go to a man, uh, to a man or a woman. We just don't want to see another pretty face out there, um, just just you know for for ratings' sake. You know, we want to see. And oh, by the way, she is she is pretty, but that's neither here nor Who there. Cares? I know, but you know I what? feel like I've got to say that I sometimes. Mean, I, I want to say that sometimes, and nobody's going to stop me from saying that. After, regardless, it's not the point, but but I know how these networks run. So, I mean, I know they're thinking, and, you know, it sucks that it happens that, you know, it sucks that it happens to to all these women. It does happen to a lot of men, too, uh, but it, it happens, you know, it seems, you know, this story with, with – Catherine Ahejo here, climate scientist, you know, and all these times that she's gotten knocked off, you know, from from uh, her interviews with Chris Hayes or MSNBC in general, and then, you know, Anderson Cooper pulling the, you know, the old switcheroo there and, you know, shelving the interview. I'm sure that was, a, I'm sure that was a producer's call. I don't know if that was Cooper's call or not, but, you know, they shelved the interview. As the host, it, however... If I'm Anderson Cooper, 
and I'm the name recognition and I'm the host. There are there have got to be times where Anderson Cooper or Chris Hayes pulls rank over their producer and says, I'm uh uh-uh. We are running with this. We are presenting. This is too important to shelve. This is too important to worry about optics. This is too important to worry about who's telegenic and who's not. Saving our planet, it may not be sexy and it may not get you ratings, but it is literally the most important thing we can do. This is our planet. You know, we don't get another one. It's not like, you you know, we can reelect people. We can put new people into office. We don't get another planet. We don't have yeah. another opportunity to save it. It's now or never. And when you obfuscate the ability to put on an actual scientist, because somebody else can sit there and giggle, oh, I don't know that as a scientist, but it was cold yesterday. The fuck, MSNBC, do your job. Yeah, I like the way you frame that. Tara, that whole well, you framed it perfectly. You you do your Tara is a wordsmith when it comes to radio, and she's great. You, you take the words that I like to say on you know when I say well you you know pretty or 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 smart or whatever, and you the way you frame it is is the way you frame that last statement of yours is perfect. Mm-hmm. And I would say this, I would say this. Listen, I would say this. It I'll. You got to know that Anderson Cooper carries a lot more weight per CNN than Hayes does at MSNBC. Anderson Cooper is basically the face of that network. Uh, you know, I mean that could be, I mean that relative to who you like there, but but Anderson Cooper is is definitely, um, you know, been the face of that network for you know for quite some, or one of the main faces of that network for quite some time. I encourage everyone to tweet AC360 and tell them to air Catherine Hayhoe's interview. Absolutely. Demand it. Demand it, really. Um, I, I have now sent out, go to my tar, at Tara Dublin Rocks. Jason, I just sent you the tweets in DM. Uh, Twitter scolding Anderson Cooper and Chris Hayes and hold them accountable. I want to hear from the climate change scientists. I want to hear from scientists. I don't want to hear from a Republican head. I don't want to hear from a paid shill like Rick Santorum. I want to hear from Elena Christopoulos or Catherine Hayhoe or somebody who was one of the architects of the Green New Deal or Neil deGrasse Tyson. Degrees in science because science is real. And I don't care if Donald Trump doesn't believe it. Donald Trump doesn't believe in anything that doesn't line his fucking pockets. Everyone has to stop listening to him. He doesn't believe in anything, okay? He probably does believe in Santa Claus. He's delusional, all right? He doesn't believe that climate change is real. He doesn't have to. We do because we know it is. And I'm infuriated. I'm infuriated by this government trying to pretend that our air isn't awful, that the water is clean, that the fires in California was anomal- is an anomaly, that the rising seas aren't rising, that what's happening isn't happening. It's enough already. The Republicans have been living with their heads in the sand the entire time he has been in office, and I'm done. I'm over it. Let them. Let them all suffer from not being prepared for what's coming. Fine. But those of us who care about our climate and our planet, we are going to do what, what it takes 
to enact new climate change initiatives and have them put into law when this new house is sworn in in December and Nancy Pelosi is the speaker and we have new blood in the house demanding climate change initiatives like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and we have new power to make this happen because you only get the one planet everybody and I don't care how much money you have you can't spend that money if all of the stores have been decimated and all of the people are dead. You know, I hate to rain on. I don't want to rain on anybody's parade, but but uh, well, in the course of last night, and we'll, maybe we'll talk about that later on about the uh, 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 the uh, election in Mississippi last night. Um, but we'll we'll talk get to that later on. Uh, we got to go to a break, but um, you know, don't want to rain on anybody's parade. But you know, whatever the House comes up with is now they have fifty three Republican senators they have to get through. Remember that, people. Remember that. That's All right, great. we're going to go to a so quick remember break. remember when climate change initiatives, it's their fault, not ours. Yeah, we're going to go to a quick break here on TaylorTerrorRadio.com. We are going to come back, and we will be joined by Adrian Lawrence. Excited to speak with her, attorney, author, and I like the author in progress, and uh, host, and uh, a lot of interesting things that we want to speak with her about, and we will do so on the other side. Don't go anywhere. We will be right back after this quick break here on TaylorTerrorRadio.com. She's just a girl and she's on fire. Hotter than a fantasy. Lonely like a highway. She's living in a world and it's on fire. Filled with catastrophe. But she knows she can fly away. TaylorTerraRadio.com. We are live Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, 1 p.m. Eastern Time. And if you missed any of the show today, you can go back to any of your favorite podcast listening platforms and find the show simply by searching Taylor 
Terra Radio, whether that's Apple Podcasts, Spreaker, Spotify, uh, or Google Play Music. You can you can find the show anywhere, and uh, or right here on TaylorTerraRadio.com. So uh, Tara, um, we yes, I'm sir. excited to have um, our next guest. I asked her; she followed me, and or I followed her, and then she followed me back. And I was just like, oh, this is awesome. And <clears throat> I said, well, I'm going to, you know, I'd love to get her on the show. So I asked her and she was so nice and so courteous and she obliged. And um, she's with us today. I'm very excited as well. She's a host on Madden uh, TV. Uh, she's a speaker and attorney, author in progress, which I love because I am th- that myself as well. She's also the blog, her voice of the year. Elevating women's voices is something that's incredibly important to us here at Taylor Tower Radio. Welcome, Adrian Lawrence. Thank you. Thank you guys so much for having me. Thank you for giving us your time today. Uh, I, when you followed Jason, he's like, oh, my God, Adrian Lawrence followed me. And so <laughs> I immediately jumped to check you out, and I was just like, oh, my gosh, she's amazing. So um, for People out in, in the listening audience, I spent, I spent quite a lot of time last night and this morning getting to know you even better and uh, on, on the interwebs. But give everybody out there who may not be aware of you just a little brief history of, of, uh, your, of who you are and how we came to know you, and uh, we'll move forward from there. Oh, well, gosh. Let's see. Um, so kind of my career started out as a litigator in D.C. and in L.A., um, all sorts of different types of law, but largely business, real estate, um, representing high net worth individuals and celebrities and whatnot. And then transition to on-air work. Um, I spent two years at ESPN uh, being a legal analyst and an anchor, and then ended up in the women's rights arena, standing up for women and arguing against sexual harassment and things that need to change. And um, yeah, kind of been Covering in that area since then, um, speaking, and uh, just signed a book deal with um, um, an imprint, Tartar Perigee of um, Penguin Random House, and I'm super excited to, you know, share my wisdom with the world and to continue speaking up and raising awareness for issues. Fabulous, because more more women in positions of media power who are visual, who are, you know, um, we can shine a spotlight on. And just before we went on the air, especially women of color, women of color uh, have, are really having, you know, the moment that they have deserved for generations, finally being elevated and honored. And uh, uh, as uh, you have this platform moving forward, like what is your book going to be about and and, uh, uh, how are you going to use this to elevate the discussion because I think it is so incredibly important to continue to elevate the discussions about, about not just racism, but about women who experience racism because minority women have just been kept down for far too long in our country. And I could not be happier to be someone who can help elevate the voices. So um, tell us about this book. Oh, well, thank you so much um, for your devotion. And um, while racism is definitely a significant issue in society, as we continue to see, as we just saw in the election in Mississippi, um, I've been largely focused on gender rights and the inequities that go on um, 
in terms of women and how society treats us when it comes to the work as uh, owning our bodies, our sexualities. I've been uh, contributing legal analysis to um, Miss Magazine, the blog online, and then also um, appearing on The Young Turks, uh, which I'll be back on on Friday um, to address, you know, the current issues that are going on. Uh, but in terms of writing in the book, it'll focus on women in the workplace and overcoming a lot of those obstacles that we continue to face repeatedly that are not getting the level of attention that they need to be. Because as we've seen with the Me Too era moving in, is these are issues that are quote-unquote underground issues, that essentially the silence and not raising them up is what has continued to allow them to breed. And cutting through that culture of silence is the only way to address those issues and to bring them to light. And it also, you know, it'll stop people who engage in sexual misconduct and workplace misconduct. And that is so incredibly important. And it scares them when we start speaking out, because we've seen that with the Me Too movement. And uh, I think one of the, uh, the most powerful elements of the Me Too movement is women who were afraid to speak are now, you can't even shut them up. And it's been <laughs> amazing to watch, right? It's been amazing to watch not just women really step into their power and own it, but then having other people acknowledge and honor it as well instead of trying to force us back down. I think we're not yeah. going to go back to that. Absolutely. And there are so many people out there who still remain silent, which is unfortunate. And hopefully they will be able to find their uh, strength and speak up and hold individuals accountable. But the thing I like the most is that in calling out these individuals who participate, engage in or enable misconduct is that they're they're in a situation now where they have led these lives that there was no integrity. Their actions did not match their words. The persona that they put out to the public was a completely different one. And so now they're having this reckoning of they can no longer pretend to be one thing and then engage in misconduct behind closed doors. No, they are now known as being that jerk, that misogynist, that harasser, that rapist. They are now known for that. And they're going to have to live lives that show integrity or they're going to have to bear the mark of the person that they are. Absolutely. And you also, excuse me, you're a woman that works in the, in in a very male heavy environment. You work in the sports. uh, I'm I'm not a sports ball person, never really have been, but I always admire women who environment who are true sports fans and who can, who can sling the lingo with the, the boys just as well. Why do you think that women are not as welcome in the arena of sports as broadcasters, as anchors, uh, just in general? Uh, is it the last boys club that they don't want to break, they don't want us, you know, to break into that barrier? Because, uh, you know, I, I think it's incredibly important that people understand women are allowed to enjoy sports. So. <laughs> yeah, no, and exactly. It's funny because half of the NFL fan base are women. And it's amazing because sports seems to be that last bastion of uh, just kind of like hope for misogyny and racism. Like you continue to see it evolve in sports, whether it's ownership, teams, you know, how they treat women, how they treat workplaces, continuing to pick up and sign players like Ruben Foster just got signed by the Redskins just the other day, by the way, having a racist team name is awesome, but just got signed by, um, they, Ruben Foster just got signed by Washington 
just um, after he was released from the 49ers because he was arrested for domestic violence, which is his second arrest for domestic violence. And he's also, it's just in suspension after suspension. And it just continues to show you how much people, they don't care. And, and sports fans and sports teams and everyone involved in the sports arena, they don't, they don't care about women. Also racism is it's not a lot of these things continue to be swept under the carpet and just completely allowed. It's just, it's, it's how it goes. Adrian, so, I had that, I had that on my list, uh, on my notes. I, I was going to uh-huh. specifically ask you about, uh, Washington, about the risk in signing Ruben Foster and, uh, get your thoughts on that. Um, the risk in sign somebody like Ruben Foster and you, you have somebody like Colin Kaepernick who still does not have a job in the NFL. Yeah. Um, yeah, I see a lot of people weighing in on that. Actually, uh, I did. I just uh, I wrote sports when I when I when I got out of grad school at Columbia um, and was hitting into into the political arena to work. Um, I wrote sports briefly. I'm a sports. I'm not a sports fanatic, but um, uh-huh. I do pay attention. I mean, I pay a lot. I mean, not not as much as I did when I was younger, but but okay. but I do keep up with what's going on and. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I've seen a lot of people, a lot of my friends weighing in on that. Uh, you know, okay. a lot of sports writers that, that are friends of mine, both both women and men. And I, I just, your thoughts, I mean, you you know, you brought up Ruben Foster there, you know, with the, uh, you know, he seems to be a, um, a habitual domestic violence uh, perpetrator, um, whatever you want to label it. And then you have somebody like Colin Kaepernick, um, you know, the taking the knee and um, he can't. He can't get a job, and you know I. I mean, what's your thoughts on that? I mean, as that's still that's still going on, and yes, that's correct. Um, I well, I, uh, I it's I think it's it's unfortunate. It's very unfortunate that he is not in the NFL. He should be there. He's talented without question, but at the same time, um, it's. I, I, I don't I have an unpopular opinion on it because as far as I'm concerned, if your employer says that you can't engage in this behavior in your workplace, then that's it, as long as it's not a legally protectable activity. And kneeling was not, and as much as he was not fired for that reason, so to speak, or not resigned for that reason, as of being the express reason, it's you know, I as far as I'm concerned, I think that's unfortunate, but it's just that's the way it goes. And so, and if people don't like that and they want him to be able to kneel, then as patrons, as fans, they need to respond in the way that they need to. And how do fans, you know, impact um, or consumers impact the company? They stop buying the product. Like it's, it's very basic. It's the only issue is that people realize that they would have to stop watching and they don't want to stop watching. So they get mad at the NFL for not making a decision that, they don't have to make. And, and so that's the thing that gets me is having all these fans and all these people so upset at the NFL for not allowing him to kneel yet they're unwilling to stop watching. And so it's, it's just, again, it's that last bastion of hope for racism, sexism, all the things you have going on sports allows it. And the fans are what allow it. Everybody allows it there. And so people aren't going to boycott. They're not going to do anything. They're just going to complain. 
not that works. I, I don't actually. I don't. I, we've spoken on this many times on the show when when um, you know the the Kaepernick thing happened. I don't disagree with you. Actually, I, I probably lean more to to your um, your stance and your views on you know as far as the, as the kneeling thing goes. I mean that you're 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 working for somebody. Um, I, I do I, I do see that side of it. I see a lot of that side of it. Um, so yeah, and the thing is, it's like I get why he's kneeling. I think it's I think yes. it's great to bring attention. I got that, but at the same time, and I think it's probably a litigator in me too. But if they don't want you to do that at the workplace, then you can't, and that's that. And if fans and consumers don't like it, then they have to boycott the product. If they're unwilling to do that, then part of me is like, then don't expect the NFL to create new rules if you're not gonna. You know, it's just. It is just so basic, and it speaks to the fact that all these people out here touting how they hate how Kaepernick isn't in the NFL. They're unwilling to not watch the product. So part of me is like, what are you complaining about? Like, stop. Either do something and put actions behind your words or be quiet. But do not come at the NFL for doing something that they are legally entitled to doing, and that is their right to do. Yeah, I, I, I would agree. I, you know, um, as someone who doesn't really pay attention to actual sports ball, I mean, I pay attention to the controversies when they come up. I had not heard it presented that way, Adrian. And I think, mm-hmm. you. I mean, obviously the point is valid. And when people come at it emotionally rather than looking at just how it is legally, you may not like it, but that's the way it is. I think that's really indicative of who we are as a society right yes. now. These are the rules. Yes. I don't like them. Sorry, but you know, sometimes <laughs> but I'm unwilling to do anything about them, you know, but I don't yeah, like yeah. them, but I'm unwilling. It's just, it's like, stop with it. Either do something or don't complain about it, but do not condemn this organization for its choices when you're continually willing to fund it. And it just, it, it's mind boggling to me. Um, it is because I, I appreciate every every ounce of what he's doing. I appreciate it, and I and and there's so many issues that need to be addressed. But at the same time, it just in the sports arena, it's wild how people are just they're willing to overlook so many forms of bias and misconduct when in, when it comes to fans, and and that's how it works. Yep. You know, I I, I you know with the NFL and its and its popularity. I'm here in Houston, by the way, uh, Adrian yeah. here, um, and so uh, I'm As born and raised here. In, oh, you're there in Houston. I thought you said you're here in Houston, like H-E-A-R. And I. <laughs> oh no, no, no. Yeah, no. I'm, I'm, no. I'm, I'm actually. Yeah, no. I'm actually live here in, in Houston, Texas. Born and raised here in South Texas. Uh, although right. I went to graduate school on the East Coast, but. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, football is everything. Here, um, to, to kind of switch gears a little bit here um, with you, Adrian. Um, you're, uh, I mean, uh, before uh, uh, before going over to work for ESPN, and um, you were um, uh, you have quite the quite the uh, history um, as a litigator, as an attorney. Um, I, I really wanted to get your take on. On what's going on right now, what's what's going on on with the uh, uh, Mueller investigation, and really more more so to the point to what you know what's transpired as of late with um, it coming out that Paul Manafort 
um, who struck a who struck a deal. Uh, it, it it turns out that um, he had been lying um, about mm-hmm. what he was telling the Trump campaign. Um, what maybe we can just maybe give us your your overall take on on what's going on. And and I know people, you know, they they on social media every other. Every other minute, they're they're wanting one of the kids to get arrested, or, um, you know, they're wanting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, you know, but you know, I'm realistic about it. I I don't think anything. You know, me personally, I don't think anything's going to happen to Trump. I, I just I think he'll be here in 2020 to run. But but as far as the Mueller investigation goes, you, you've got these people that struck these plea, plea deals. Somebody like Manafort. Now he's been busted for for lying to the uh to the Mueller team what what is your take on that and that's that's pretty damn serious right yeah um absolutely another <laughs> i guess some more lies um pretty pretty much put him in a position where he has sacrificed his plea deal and the thing is he had gotten a pretty good deal you know he pled guilty to two counts of conspiracy and that capped his maximum potential sentence at 10 years versus the minimum, which is over 17 years if he goes to trial. And kind of by throwing that to the wayside, by continually lying and getting caught in these lies, he's not in a good position um, since he's now no longer going to get credit for cooperating. Uh, you know, and the thing is, he's just it's, – it's just wild because he's essentially going to – he's likely going to go away for a, a nice amount of time and he's, what, 69 years old? And he's gonna die in prison. Just, um, yeah, he he. I would like to say that he probably will, unless Trump pardons him. And so he may be essentially uh, flipping on the government, so to speak, so he can hopefully get that presidential pardon. But at the same time, too, you know, it just it's it's quite a gamble to go ahead and rely on the thought that Trump will, you know, give a pardon. As we know, he's very fickle with his emotions, and and so I just Manafort. It's just one of those things where you continually see these wealthy men at these high level of power continue to engage in criminal behavior and misconduct, and they've been untouchable. And so their thought that they are not going to be touched this time, I understand why he's doing what he's doing, because he's been getting away with it forever. Why not just continue that way? Because he's in custody. Because he's in prison. I mean... He's only yep, making I'm, it worse for himself. I mean, you'd think so, but they still have this mentality of, oh no, I'll be able to shake this. Oh no, and, you know, Buddy's going to get me out. And and then, and all Mueller has to do is look at his answers and Trump's answers side by side. And then there was a thing last night saying that Manafort's lawyers were uh, in communication with Trump's lawyers, and they told. Trump's lawyers, what Manafort had been asked by the Mueller investigation so Trump could alter his answers. And then Mueller can put them up side by side, be like, oh, well, I caught you. I know that you guys mm-hmm. have been communicating because I planted this. Now you told them that. And now it's in both of your answers. So yeah. it makes my head explode, Adrian, with it all does. of this. Like, we and know the is, all of them are guilty. Why, why, are they, it's, why would Donald I Trump agree. and his children get to walk around free when the attorney general of the state of New York has them dead to rights on a Ponzi scheme? with the Trump organization. Like, do they get to go to prison? Do we get what we want out of this? Do, how are they above the law? Because they're not. They are. Donald they Trump are. Jr. is not elected to an office. Neither but is Eric or, just, or Ivanka. What, how are they walking around? They are. That's the thing is it's until somebody does something in the system, like we just saw from the Miami Herald, amazing investigatory work on multimillionaire Jeffrey Epstein of 
of sexually assaulting dozens of teenage girls, underage girls, and the story and how deep it was and how heavy the evidence was against him. Yet he ends up essentially getting this private wing of the Miami prison or, and only doing 13 months and being able to leave the prison six days out of the week. And, and oh, it's just, and, and it's, it's insane, you know, and the level of corruption, but it's just, it, it permeates our system. And it's funny because we, I often see Americans look at other nations and read about the corruption and scoff when they don't realize how much of it is here in our government agencies at the state and the federal level of people getting passed, largely white males, and especially the wealthy, getting a pass when they are violating the law egregiously or just engaging in this behavior and it's completely and totally under the radar, but then when it gets exposed, they get just a pat on the hand. And that is so, a problem for our society. Explain this to me because, you know, again, I'm, I'm not a lawyer, but I'm looking at this Jeffrey Epstein story. And how does Alex Acosta walk around free? He let Jeffrey Epstein cut a deal that granted immunity to any of his potential co-conspirators and shut yeah. down an ongoing FBI probe into whether there were more victims. Well, how? How much? Is it, is it all money? Is it I paid this person and then this person will do whatever I say or uh, we can have any cover up we want. We can get yep. away with anything because money, it really comes uh, down to that. It definitely, well, definitely money and power. Someone who's able to create opportunities for you. You know, that's why Acosta is now in um, the role he's in. And it's about access. It's about money and wealth and opportunity and continuing to have doors open for you. And yeah, so that's, you know, why Acosta is in the position he's in. And it's absolutely disgusting because it's always marginalized groups who are the ones that are directly victimized, like reading the stories of all those girls and the fact that they're 14, 15, 16, you know, they come from broken homes or maybe they're borderline on their way to being homeless. And it's just mesmerizing how much our society likes to pretend about equality, about women's hmm. rights, about minorities' rights, all these things, and yet we continue to allow them to be victimized. I tell you that the white male privilege, good old boy network, is some shit, huh? Yeah, it's some shit. Yeah. I mean, since the founding of this country, and you know, I, I have a lot of discussions about race with other white people. I mean, because I live in, so just so you understand, I'm in the Pacific Northwest. I'm originally from New Jersey. Uh, I used to live in Georgia. Now I am living out in the whitest place I have ever lived in, in my life. (laughs) I don't enjoy it. And I don't enjoy the lack of diversity in the community that I'm in. I don't. And I, you know, you can't create diversity. People have to come. Uh, and when I was in New York in June, there was a moment I was in Brooklyn where I was the only not person of color walking down the street. And I couldn't have been happier because I was mm-hmm. home and in my element. But my point is, how can I, how can Jason, how can those of us who are not of color continue to be the best allies to communities of color as the white community continues to oppress them? Because I'm not oh, okay gosh. with it. I'm not okay with it. But I also don't ever want to be accused of appropriation or overstepping because I want to be the best ally I can to the communities I'm not naturally belonging to. You know, I've always been an LGBTQ ally my whole life. I don't belong to the community, but I do what I can to lift it up. 
What can I do uh, to continue to raise your community up, hold you up, support you, honor you, uh, so that others also see you the way I see you? Because that's so vitally important to me, but I also don't want to appear like I'm pandering or anything because it's so, because it's too important to me. So, and I think other white women think this too, and we want to reach them in the best possible way. I've had this conversation with Elena Christopoulos. How do we reach you in the right way? And then so that it doesn't look like, you know, we're jumping on a bandwagon, appropriating, overstepping. I want to honor. So I think that's an important part of the conversation that we don't have. Yeah. Um, well, gosh, I, um, I can only just speak to my experiences being a black woman as it's race issues are not necessarily something I specialize in, but I definitely have enough of an experience to be able to, I guess, um, to say what I think um, may be helpful. And um, having grown up in a uh, pretty much all white community up in Northern California and not really being exposed to diversity until I moved to New York city, um, I've had a very interesting look at life and the lens that I've seen it through. And um, I, I also, I could say the things that kind of um, eat at me the most is hearing people say that they believe in diversity, how great they are, but like I'm their only friend of color. And, you know, what does your life reflect? Because you can't necessarily, not everybody can live in a multicultural environment, but, you know, it, it, I think it's worthwhile to look at your life and say, how does this reflect in terms of the things that I'm saying? And then also, what about when other people are speaking and they're saying something derogatory about the LGBTQ community or, you know, people of color? Are you speaking up and saying something? Or, um, and, it, and it it matters in all respects because, you know, even if it's someone of color and they're categorizing like all all this group or all this in, and I, I think that way in too, in terms of the thought of white male privilege, assuming that all white men, um, like gravitate toward that or abuse it. I don't think that that's fair and that's not right. Cause it's not true. And so no matter what color you are checking each other and being like, Hey, let's talk about that. Cause I think that that's an unfair statement. And so I think it's largely important just to have your life reflect your words, living with integrity but then also taking your responsibility for no matter what color the person is and you hear them make a statement that just really disparages a group and puts everyone together as one category of people as opposed to recognizing that we're all individuals and conditioning your statements. I think that that goes a long way because it's just, we're all dynamic. We're all different individuals and it's, it's, you know, no one wants to be, essentially assign the same thing as the entire group. It's not, it just doesn't work and it's not okay. Absolutely. Adrian, I grew up, yeah, I grew up here in, in here in Houston, here in South Texas. And I, I grew up, I, I, I've told the story before, but I was having a conversation um, uh, with um, one of the managers of the gym I go to here in Houston. And we were, you know, we were talking about where she's half Puerto Rican, she's half black, and we were having we're we've been friends a long time. And we were talking about you know where you know where she grew up, where I grew up here in Houston. I grew up in the Heights here, in the old Heights. So I grew up in a real diverse neighborhood. I mean, it was um, back then the the Heights were 
it was just a it was a it was a melting pot. It was a mix of you know of 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 Hispanic families, of black families, of white you know some white families, not a lot. I mean, and then as, as I got older, we moved to uh, another part of Houston, which was predominantly. As I left there, as my house flooded last year, <laughs> um, you know, my community there was 80, 85% Hispanic. My home parish is about 90% Latino. So, um, I'm, you know, I, I, you know, I like to think when people talk to me, cause I, you know, I've got a, I, I wouldn't say, you know, I have a hand, I, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't say I have, have the handle on it, but I grew up in such a diverse area um, and went to school. Um, I wasn't didn't go to school in an all white school. It wasn't uh, all black school. It wasn't an all Latino school. Was it? It was. It was. It was just. I grew up in 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 a lot of diversity, and I was raised by four women too. And I was an only child, so I had a lot. I wasn't. Um, I was. Um, what's the words I'm looking for here? I was. Uh, I, I was given a lot of opportunity as 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 a as a kid not to be uh to be to be around a, an incredibly diverse culture um a lot of my family's from south louisiana so um there's just a lot of diversity in my family um something that happened today adrian that um as we were talking about women of color and this kind of goes to um, women of color and, and, and men of color. Barbara Lee, somebody who I really, really like, a representative of Barbara Lee from California, she, um, she had been thinking possibly about running for Speaker of the House against Nancy Pelosi, but today uh, she, she kind of had, had given up on that, and um, she was uh, – she was running to be uh, um, the uh, leader of the uh, Democratic uh, House Caucus, and uh, Barbara Lee, who's just an incredible woman, she lost. Um, she lost to uh, to uh, Hakeem Jeffries, and one twenty three to one thirteen was the vote. Okay. And. When you see somebody like Barbara Lee, who's a woman of color, she—I mean, she would have become the first black woman in House leadership in history. And um, uh, I'm—is that still when you're when you have a you know I mean where where, do you, where when you have a woman of color going against a man of color and you have Barbara Lee against Hakeem Jeffries and Barbara Lee, a woman, um, falls short. Um, from the vote, and and then you really get it. You really get a a conversation going out there on social media and and on radio about you know again women um, women of color um, who you know who are not getting and not afforded these leadership positions in politics and. And we need them there, Adrian. I want somebody like Barbara Lee there leading. Yeah, I um, um, I, I understand that, and I think it's really good that um, there's been more of a push for women of color to be involved um, in politics and in forms of leadership. 
um, yeah, I, I think it's very important. I'd love to see her as minority leader. I would like to oh, see her okay. replacing Chuck Schumer. That's what I would like. Oh, okay. Oh, all right. Um, um, that's a possibility. I mean, uh, if, uh, if Nancy Pelosi, you know, I, I think it's pretty, pretty set that we're going to see Nancy Pelosi return to the position of, of yeah. Speaker of the House. I think it's time for a new voice uh, as too. minority leader. And I think uh, having someone like Barbara Lee or Kamala Harris would be the smart move. I want a, I want a woman of color in uh, the highest position of power she can reach. So uh, if it's minority leader this time around, I think, you know, we could do a whole lot worse than Barbara Lee. So uh, that's, <laughs> she, she's, you know, because I, I want I want her speaking for for us. So um, I think. Uh, that's that's where it begins, and uh, I'm I'm very happy to see Hakeem Jeffries star rising. Um, yeah. I think that he's got an amazing future in politics, and it, it is true. You know, when Jason says, "If you have a man of color versus a woman of color, just elevating people of color." Start. You know, I'm I'm happy to elevate people of color in power positions in our government because I have the crazy notion that our government should look like the country it's representing. I, I don't I know. Agree. Call me yeah, you know, I I, so, I couldn't agree um, more because it's one of right. those things. Of, I'm not, yeah, because I don't, I don't know, I don't, I'm not the person who, um, and unfortunately, we continue to get that rap, which I think is uh, very limiting in the thought of people of color, especially black people, the thought that oh, we only vote for our own kind or we're persuaded by that. No, it's a matter of having quality good people who are going to do the right thing that are leading and there are people of color and there are black men and women who are quality good people who are qualified to do the job and are and they should be elevated and it shouldn't be a matter it's definitely not a matter of the fact that they are just a person of color like we don't want any person of color just running the ship we want people of color who are qualified to do the job and deserve an opportunity to be heard, to be heard and to have an equal platform on competition, you know, like we saw with the race in Georgia, that was not an equal yeah. platform. And in you know, any and way, in, yeah, in Florida, same thing. And the things that, you know, the establishment will do to maintain the status quo, that is the problem. And so it's just so important that we continue to have great people, regardless of what their color is, to be uplifted and to oust these members of the establishment who are corrupt and who are tearing down what America truly stands for, even though it appears more and more that it stands for a lot of things that end in an ISM, and it's not Mm -hmm. Yeah. Have you ever considered running for office yourself? Um, no, um, people have mm-hmm. talked to me about it, but it's not something I'd ever want to do. I don't think, um, I, I, I think I'm too, I have, I'm yes, I've, I've too honest for it. I think, yeah. And I, I do think that although we're seeing like this change with, you know, having Trump in office and then O'Rourke and there are, and, um, okay. Um, um, it's one of those things where we're seeing more truth and authenticity come to the table in terms of individual um, truth, not necessarily the truth as we see with Trump, but individual authenticity. And so there may be more opportunity for that um, for people who are just, you know, no nonsense and they'll tell you what they're thinking and what they think and what they want. And I think that that's fair and that would be really nice. It, it would absolutely be. Adrian, we thank you so much for joining us today and giving us so much of your time. You'll be appearing on the Young Turks on Friday. Where else can people 
check in with you and uh, stay current on what you're doing? Well, you can check in with me um, on Twitter. I'm at Adrian Law, A-D-R-I-E-N-N-E-L-A-W. And then on Instagram, I'm at Adrian Lawrence. Well, I'm, a, I'm following you, and uh, I'm going to be really excited when your book comes out. And uh, I'm going to keep an eye on you, lady. I think you're wonderful. Fabulous. Watch. Thank you so much, And please much, come back Karen and join Taylor. us again sometime. You're fabulous. And uh, I always want a badass Shiro on the other end of my microphone. So thank you so much. Thank you. Have a great thank you, day. Adrian. Thank you so much. Take care. All right. How that was uh, awesome. We are lucky usual. people. Yes, we, we are. We talked to so many smart women, and it is inspiring to me to be able to do this and shine a light on uh, people who maybe don't, don't get the opportunity to tell people who they are and what, what they stand for. And I think it's, it's the very best of what we do. Yep. I would agree. Um, we're just going to keep rolling here. We're not even going to go to a break. Um, Sweet. Well, you know, we're not even going to go to a break here, but let's go. Let's, let's real quickly, let's go. Um, we were talking about it um, there briefly with Adrian Lawrence. We had the election last night in Mississippi. Uh, Cindy Hyde-Smith wins out over Mike Espy. Um Mississippi showing its true racial, um, racist I mean, colors. Fucking 1851 down there. Yeah. Yeah, they got a... <laughs> and and they elected a Nazi den mother. I mean... Yes. Somebody called her that. A, she called Cindy Hyde-Smith a Nazi den mother, and I thought that was really good. Um, there was a photo of her that I tweeted, and I was like... She's so evil that her face is trying to swallow her mouth. Have you seen a picture? Like, she's got that recessed kind of mouth thing. I don't know what. She looks like the puppet from Wayland Flowers and Madam. I also tweeted a picture. Evil rots you from the inside out is my point. If you are evil, as Cindy Hyde-Smith is evil, it's going to show on your face. Man, woman, you, it's just going to rot you and corrupt you from the inside out. And we know what she is. I know what she is. It's disgusting. She's, it's hateful. It's hateful and yeah. it's ugliness. And Mississippi is a back asswards swamp of racism and filth. And honestly, I mean, Mississippi, Alabama. I mean, if you want to talk about states that we don't need, there you go. There's two. I've been to well, both. And this, beautiful, beautiful topography. All... But the people, the people just... They just love their racism. They just well, love another, it so much. Tara, this should be, listen, this should be another wake-up call for, uh, I was talking to Elaine about this last night. This should be another wake-up call for everybody here on the left um, that w- as we come upon 2020, um, there's... A, as I always say, go from Missouri and work your way down. Um, you know that whoever gets out there, I mean, there's a plenty. There's so much work that has to be done. I mean, there's so much work that has to be done. And you have states like Mississippi and Alabama, and you know those two, Georgia. I mean, we had this. You know, we we seen what happened in Florida, as as Adrian Lawrence was talking about, and as we've spoken about many times on the show with. Um, 
<clears throat> you know, there between uh, Andrew Gillum and 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 Ron DeSantis um, there for the governorship. But um, there's got to be focus on. We can't just forget about them, <laughs> and we can't just say, "Oh, well, these states are a lost cause." You know, there's people living there that you know there's you know uh, huge minority populations in these states, and you know they they want their voice to be heard, and we need to, as a democratic party, this is where we have failed. This is where leadership has failed to go into these, you know. Even here in Texas, that we're just now, um, you know, Texas is a big prize. You know, Texas carries a lot of victorial uh, votes. So Texas is a big prize. And so you've seen some money from the DNC come down here in Texas. Uh, one campaign in particular, Lizzie, uh, 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 Lizzie Fletcher's campaign that, that she won here in Houston. You had Nancy Pelosi down here campaigning for her, fundraising for her. But there's so many um, but others. But can but, you hold be, on but a second uh, here. What, but okay, go ahead. listen. But I mean, but no, really. I mean, there. This is the this is the thing with leadership. And and listen, this goes back to President Obama as well. Um, you know that there was. I I said this before. You know, President Obama, e- even by his own admission, is wasn't a party builder. You know, he left nobody. When he left office, there, there's, there, there was nobody there, kind of waiting in the wings. Whether it was a woman of color, man of color, white, well, whatever, whoever, nobody. And this is my thing with Pelosi, is that, you know, all of these years, there's, there's not been anybody, you know, groomed or brought up into the ranks, you know, to ready to take that mantle over. You know, it's real easy. And again, this is this is something that you know it goes back to my problem with Shannon Watts. You know that she goes to all these communities. You know, on on you know for Moms Demand and and speaking out. You know, on guns. But when she goes to these communities, she goes to the richest, whitest areas of these communities. She got me blocked on Twitter, and that's fine because I completely disagree with her on 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 how she goes about this because she's always looking for the photo op. And all that money she raised. But she'll never show her face. When she came to Houston, she went out to the woodlands. She went out to the richest, whitest area you could possibly. She does that in every city she goes to, oh, by the way. She never goes, never goes to the inner cities, never goes to where the real, real gun problems are and speaks with those families. No, 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 no. Only where the money can be raised. And that is just, it, I just, it. Chaps my ass, and I, I'm you know I've told her about it you know when, and when, you know the minute I you know spoke spoke up to her and said listen you know I mean we, you, when I only did it when she came here to Houston and I'm like why aren't you coming to the inner city why aren't you going out to these some of these suburbs like third fourth fifth ward Cashmere Gardens you know why isn't she coming out to these areas why in the hell are you going out to the woodlands with a solid white group of solid white women who are all you know worth over six way over six figures you know um so there's not been enough work done you know the dnc has fallen down leadership has fallen down and and i see everybody out there talking about well, well you know nobody said anything about schumer listen i've been bitching about schumer forever 
as long as I've been, you know, we need a change in leadership in the Senate. Hell yes, we do. You know, somebody like, you know, Senator Gillenbrand, um, Senator Harris, um, you know, a number of those would be, you know, those senators would be would be great. You know, any, you know, we want the right person for the job. But these leadership, Schumer, Pelosi, they've done zero, nothing to to build up any leadership, to build up any party building. We're left with them. What have they been doing all these years? You know, and this is why, you know, no focus on down ballot races, no focus on, you know, on, on, you know, local democratic races, you know, these real down, down, down ballot races, school boards, uh, I mean, city councils, I could go on and on and on. This is why the Republicans have taken a stronghold in this country, because they were focused on those areas. They knew by building and working up those down ballot areas that all those people would work their way up through the ranks, and they have. And that's why they're controlling so many of these states, Tara, because the Democrats have failed, have failed in leadership to go out and, and make progress in these states that need help, Mississippi being one of them, Alabama. You can't just say they're a lost cause. No, nobody's gone there to do anything. And Texas, we're just now getting a little bit of it. And that's really, you know, I mean – it's frustrating to me. That's why I want to change in leadership. And by God, if we if she's going to serve the next two years, I want to hear her step up and say, "Listen, this is my last two years. I've got, I've got such such and such that's going to be under my tutelage and is going to be ready to take over the mantle, take the gavel of when I retire in two years or whatever." That's what irritates me. Not Pelosi per se. It's nothing personal. Nothing personal between me and Nancy Pelosi or me and Chuck Schumer. You know, it's time for a new generation, a new aggressive, progressive generation of diversity to step up in leadership in our Congress. Well, it, you just said a whole lot yeah, of words. I mean, it's a lot of words, and I, you know, I told you at the beginning of the show today, I mean – Listen, I'm, you know, I'm really, I know what's going on. I mean, I'm, you know, I, I, I'm a political scientist. I can see what's happened in all these states. You know, I was talking the other day on, I was talking um, to James Carville on the phone the other day. <clears throat> and, you know, he says the same thing that I, that I'm saying right now, you know, is that the, the DNC, the Democratic leadership has completely failed these states, you know, and we had in 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 2016 we had you know Hillary, uh, and you know for whatever, um, <clears throat> you know for whatever gerrymandering and, and 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 infiltration we had going on in in that election, um, she still you know bypassed those states where she should have been Michigan, Wisconsin, Ohio. You know, those states that, you know, you've got Ohio now that was, we could always count on Ohio. You can't, Ohio is, is pretty damn rid right now. And, you know, again, this all goes back. People don't understand this. They don't, un, see, that's the problem, Tara. They don't understand what, 
what all the you know they oh okay Nancy Pelosi speaker of the house she gets up there she yeah she 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 leads the charge on legislation um all that she rallies votes yes she does all that but these people in leadership are also responsible for building up the democratic party and um the you know and liberal agenda in these states that are lacking you know, we can't just, just throw them away, you know, and it irritates me because I see so much opportunity out there. We've seen this election. We've seen people out there running to their districts, winning their races with no corporate money, with no PAC money. That'd be great. And we should all be Can excited we be a- by and we should all be excited by that, and we should all get behind that. And more, even more so, we should get corporate PAC money out of politics, period, end of story. And I could start at the top and name you – oh, it – you know, it just it, – it, it, people get – they get so they, – they, and that's another thing with social media. They get – everything gets so screwed up. They don't know what the hell they're talking about because somebody they're following said some crazy shit. They they don't know what uh, what democratic leadership's supposed to do. They're just they have no earthly idea. You know, they just want to toss Mississippi to the side. Oh, Mississippi's just a completely racist state. Go look at the demographic. Well, go go look at the demographics of Mississippi. I anybody go there and look at the demographics and tell me. Tell me the breakdown between African American, white, Hispanic, whatever. Go and look. Okay, so the and point, you'll be surprised. You'll be surprised. The point I've been trying to get in here for the past ten minutes is can we be encouraged, however, by the showings of Democrats in these traditionally red states? Mike Espy lost, yes. He did not lose by a gigantic margin, though. He was it wasn't a blowout. She didn't run away with it. This was not an easy win for her. It was assumed she would win. It was assumed she would win by a certain amount. But the fact that he had any showing, a black man running for office in Mississippi had that well of a showing, we can be somewhat encouraged by. We can be encouraged by how well Beto did in Texas. And any, uh, you know, Doug Jones, look at Doug Jones winning in Alabama. Those things are what should have the GOP running scared. They should be scared at these showings. Contests that they should have won easily have been difficult for them. Seats that they should have easily won are now going to be occupied by Democrats in the House in January. So races like the ones we saw last night, you know, yes, it's a tough, it's a tough thing to lose a race like that when it is such a glaringly terrible option well, to choose Cindy Hyde-Smith. But be encouraged that there are people in Mississippi who looked at Mike Espy and said, yes, that is the leadership I want. Who People who in Alabama who right. turned away from well, Roy Moore. That's all good. Texans who voted right. for Beto, who traditionally would have voted for Ted Cruz. That's encouraging for 2020. It's encouraging because that shows that there is but, a demographic that wants that change. It's there. It needs to be tapped. It needs to be reached, and it needs to be. Uh, 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 well, what's what, the word I want to? Uh, you, you, you need to go there and talk to them. 
You need to focus yeah. well, on no. those demographics that are voting for our candidates. Yeah, well, but here's the thing, though. Um, yeah, of course, uh, you know, I, I look, I knew – yeah, I mean anybody that 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 looked at the election down there and in the polling and and they, I mean you knew the results you you knew that Cindy Smith was going to win that race. Here's my point. Yeah, the showing by Mike Espy was great. That's incredible. That's positive. That's yes. But think 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 for a minute, people out there. Think if we had spent the DNC had been putting money. All that fundraising that Pelosi does in all these super rich white states, if she was down there working or if we had Democratic leadership down there, women of color working down here in, in Alabama for the past eight years or Mississippi, that's where we need to go. We have to build on this. You can't just say, okay, and leave it there, um, that that's going to be good enough. You know, you, you, you have to, you, you know, it, you have to build on that. You have to bring leadership in and they have to build the party from the bottom up, which All is right. what as we're public- we, Okay. As we come to the end of the show, there's one question I want to ask you before we wrap. And that question <laughs> is, <clears throat> what did you think when I sent you that article yesterday that Beto O'Rourke maybe has now not ruled out the idea of running in 2020 because a couple of weeks back is nope not doing it not doing it he's not running he's not gonna now he and amy are opening that discussion what's your take right. uh my take on that is um he'll accept the invitation to iowa i'm guessing um i'm out of the loop on that now my job is done with that campaign but um I mean, I'm not completely out of the loop, but um, I don't believe he'll run. I believe he might put put it out there um, that he will. Again, I, I'm going to go back to what all this hinges on. Um, all of your candidates out there, I was having this conversation last night and have had this conversation this week <clears throat> with people that are looking for 2020. I've had talked to so many people that are considering, considering Senate runs, House runs, state runs. You know, as far as the as far as the presidential contenders for 2020, everything hinges on one thing. I one know. Thing really, one mm-hmm. thing is hinges on Hillary Clinton running, and 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 look, and people out there that say, "Oh man, hell no, we don't want her to run again." These are the same Pelosi, and, and you know where I'm going with this because it matters. <clears throat> These are the same people that. You know, said you know that that you know pro Pelosi uh, absolutely, but oh no, we don't want we don't need Hillary out there again. But the same argument's going to be used for the same argument's going to be used for Hillary Clinton that was used for Nancy Pelosi. And people say, oh, well, you're talking about a completely different uh, platform, POTUS, Speaker of the House, blah blah blah. Well, yeah, no. yeah maybe so, maybe so. But, but you're the same talking about that the most. Used. The, the, the argument comes down to who's the most qualified person for the job. In this particular right. instance, the most qualified person for the job is a woman. There are people who don't like that answer. Tough. Um, I brought it up with no, somebody no, that but, uh, I was. T- but to say no, to answer your question, um, no, I don't believe he will. I, I don't believe he would run, and he's not. He's not a VP sort of guy. Um, he really doesn't have a whole lot of, you know, experience in that. He doesn't have a whole lot of experience. Period. But um, right. And you know he lost his Senate race here in Texas. Um, there was a number a number of calculated 
are not so calculated moves that that hurt him here. Um, but no, I don't. I don't believe that he will run. And if Hillary okay. runs, I, if Hillary runs, you're basically going to see a redo uh, because Sanders, by rumor, this is only by rumor, um, but but well, I wouldn't even say I would say a little bit more than rumor that Sanders uh, possibly this coming weekend is going to announce his candidacy for the 2020. No, go away, Bernie, go away, go away. So Hillary will be. I, so let's just say yeah. we have a complete. What, let's just say we have a complete redo, and then I don't know who who plays the role of O'Malley, um, but uh, I don't know. But you're not going to well, – if Hillary Clinton – if Hillary Clinton indeed jumps in the race, Kamala Harris, Kristen Gillenbrand, they're not running. There's no, no way. They're, they're all friends. That, that, that's not going to happen. Uh, I, if, Beto, uh, would, Beto so, wouldn't run. No. I mean, She's got to choose a different running mate, though. She can't. She can't have Tim Kaine again. So, oh. I want to see no, Julian she'll... Castro on the other side of that ticket. I want to see well, Julian Castro. In... Yeah, I'm glad you bring up his name because that's been a big conversation here in Texas over the past week. Because yeah, it should be. Who? Yeah, well, it is because there's a couple options there. Um, he fits well at, on a ticket. Um, uh, he fits really good there in the in the you know in a VP slot. He fits good in in you know running for for president himself. Um, but he also fits really good because Beto's not going to run against John Cornyn for the Senate down here in 2020. But Castro is seriously considering running against John Cornyn for the other uh, Senate seat. If she's going to run, she's got to have a more balanced ticket. And uh, I mean, I talked to somebody last night. They were, I was like, yeah, it looks like Hillary's going to run again. And he just seems like, why, why, why? What's the definition of insanity? I mean, what, why do you think it would be any different this time? And I said well, that why, I did well, not know what would make it any different this time, except that maybe we're war, more aware of the Russians' involvement with the last election. And if we truly want a do-over, we could get one. I'm t- I mean – you know how much I love her and how much I support her and all of it. I personally don't understand why she want to put herself through that again uh, and why she would want to put her supporters through that again. We took, it was a, an emotionally draining experience for everybody. I still feel like I have PTSD from the 2016 election with the way that Trump supporters were treating me. I'll go, I'll do it though. I mean, I'll, I'll go, I'll, I'll go to the mattresses for Hillary Clinton. I absolutely will. If she's the candidate. We will have to wait and see. Just the idea of having to fight that same thing that I fought in 2015, 2016, having to do that again, just thinking of that makes me feel very tired. I'll do it. Yeah. And not yeah. And it's not me- for lack of enthusiasm. It's not from lack of enthusiasm for the candidate herself. It's because of what we're going to have to deal with if she does. It's just going to do to us. You know, like it's bad. You know, she's going to have to go through her shit. And then we're going to live with the fallout of that shit, just like 2015, 2016. It's not going to be, I don't know how it's going to be any different is all I'm saying. She runs, I'll support her. I'll give her all my energy and all my, all I can give. I just don't see how it's different. That's all. That's all. That's all I have to say about that. Yep. Uh, And we will leave it on that note. Um, We're going to wrap it up for today. Um, Ladies and gentlemen, we will be back on Friday, just me and Tara, 
um, giving your weekly political wrap on Friday. Um, if you missed any of the show today, um, give it about 15 minutes and you can download it or listen to it um, here on TaylorTerrorRadio.com, also on any of your favorite podcast listening platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Spreaker, um, or just Google Taylor Terror Radio. Tara, you have a great day, a great Wednesday, everyone. And, uh, you we'll too, see... my friend. Yes, yes. Have a great Wednesday. Relax and uh, enjoy life. Take a deep breath and because um, there's a lot going on and it, it just gets crazier and crazier by the day. Yay. No doubt. <laughs> All right, uh, we'll see everybody on Friday. If you'd like to follow me on Twitter, do so at J Wade Taylor. You can follow Tara on Twitter at Tara Dublin Rocks and the show account Taylor Tara Radio on Twitter. All right, have a great day. We'll see everyone on Friday.